0: Okay, we left off in 1616. How fun is that? Now, a weird verse. Didn't want to get into that last week because I figured, well, this is going to cause some, some fun and excitement. So the attendance, Saul's attendance. Now remember, Saul has already contracted the illegitimate semi-Samuel person, right? So he's not calling Samuel anymore. He calls another guy from the discredited line of Eli to accompany him. So now he has other attendants with him. And the attendants say, See, an evil spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord command his servants here to search for someone who can play the harp. He will play when the evil spirit from God comes upon you, and you will feel better. All right, junior theologian, what's theologically wrong in that sentence?
1: The, all, the evil spirit doesn't come from God; it's the absence of yes, God.
0: Yes, right. So these guys now again, it, 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 <laughs> she's pretty impressive. I'll be honest. I'll tell you, <laughs> you keep her around for a while.
1: <laughs>
0: so yes, because they attribute the evil spirit from God, right? So do we not pray in, in the Lord's prayer? You know, all right? So. We're actually praying, you know, the opposite, which is the whole story of Scripture. So these guys have no idea what they're talking about, but they attribute what is happening to Saul to God. Now, technically, we could say everything is God's fault. Much the same as, all you mothers in a room, it's always your fault too, right? (laughs) It's just something you learn. So, but since God created everything, I guess you could... Piece together and say everything is from God, but they're saying this this evil spirit, you know, is is from God. God sent the evil spirit. Now I would challenge you to find anywhere else in Scripture where it says that, that God acts that way. So you need to take the whole thing in, in 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 total to see that's not right. So that's not what God did. Besides that, why would God? Want to do that anyway? If He doesn't like somebody, He just takes them out. He's you know, not going to send an <laughs> evil spirit. While we're playing <laughs> the harp, ease the pain that God sent him. Yes, right. So yeah, and and, and, and then offer the, the the solution to something God did. Right. So it's actually a double whammy there. That it just it, it makes no sense. But you see, when you don't understand God, this could be your conclusion. Now stop and think. I mean, do you not know people who think like this? You know, God made this bad thing happen to me. Oh, sure. Right? I mean, it's fairly prevalent in our culture today because people don't know God. So, in the absence of knowledge, that void, a vacuum, is going to suck something else bad in. And people content themselves with that. They don't want to take the time to know and understand God. Therefore, I get to make up whatever I want. And that's why we have all these wackadoodle religions running around today, and these people just—you know—I mean, pe- people are—they they have convinced themselves that the organized church is evil. So I have to go find something for myself. I will make something else up in place of an
1: unorganized
0: church. Yes, t- t- disorganized, totally, totally—you know—chaotic. Yes, but you know. The, just that little step though now gets you to a point of saying okay now i don't have to really do what the bible says i don't have to uh, because the bible is all about the gathering of god's people remember last sunday right all those passages we're talking about yeah, collecting god's people together we've got to be together at least for a while before we're sent back out again but a totally sent out person an isolated person an alone person is not an effective witness for christ unless you are connected to the body of Christ unless the, the, you're connected to the vine as Jesus says in uh, John 16 so the advisors <coughs> believe that, that music will, will calm the savage beast in, in, in Saul that might but we're going to see occasions where it in fact does but that really has nothing to do with anything God doesn't send an evil spirit. Even then, you see, too, I mean, he didn't even say, well, what's, what does God want? What does God see me needing to do? It completely shows his rejection, the fact that he's, right. he's basically seeking a man instead of God. Right. Well. That, and we're going to see more and more and more of that. Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable how, how he is pushing God, God away. He wants nothing to do with God. Now, verse 18, they keep focusing on being good-looking. Now remember, we've already said that means nothing to God. Now certainly God will not deny a good-looking person who comes to him with the right heart. But you don't get extra favor or a greater outpouring of the Holy Spirit because you're good-looking, which is somewhat subjective anyway. You know, the African tribes that have those, those big things in their, their, their lips out to hear and everything, I'm not necessarily finding that very attractive and, but for them and their culture that's it see so it's it, there's no standard of beauty so that doesn't matter to God so after describing David in several different ways I, I, I believe the last way is the most significant the Lord is with him right so you know, describing you know either physical attributes or things that he does but the greatest of them is the Lord is with him now by saying that you're actually saying everyone's realizing the Lord is not with Saul anymore right
1: it's interesting to notice that in this case probably the Lord isn't with any of those servants either so you know kind of like Romans 1 <laughs> they just know they can tell that there's something different yes Yeah. It,
0: it, it, call it intuition or whatever you want but it's a spirit speaking to you saying that's not right See, that's why I wanted to ask that evil spirit question because we're going to come across again here in just a minute. But yeah, you know, that's that's not not the way God works. God is not using evil, you know, creating evil to to produce good. He doesn't do that. I mean, there's no no in the Bible. You know, all the list of the bad things you shouldn't do, nowhere in there does it say, well, you know, don't do those bad things. But well, go ahead and do the bad things and here do these good things also. <laughs> Right? It's always get the bad thing out of your life. And then you get to focus on the good thing. Now verse 23, you, you, you'll see the evil spirit back again. Now, but notice that the S in spirit is a small case S. Anytime you see the Holy Spirit or just the Spirit referring to the Holy Spirit, it will always be a capital S. So that's how you tell, tell the difference. Uh, if you go back to ver, uh, verse 14... There's a capital S spirit. See? The distinction? So the Bible's very, very clear on that. That th- th- this is not the Holy Spirit. This is not from God. They claim it's from God, but it's not really from God. And there goes chapter 16. Any other thoughts, questions, comments, debate, arguments? <coughs> chapter 17. Now, remember, the main reason Israel wanted a king was so that they could have a person they could see sitting on the throne, and they expected this pers- person to have the main purpose of defeating the Philistines. Uh, <laughs> we always throw in Romans 1, and we always have to throw in the Philistines, right? <laughs> right? So, now, that's that's the setup for the chapter. But again, that's that was their the people, that's what they were expecting this, this king to do. But now, verse 8. I, I think it's a very telling verse. Now, the Philistines knew, in a very real way, the power of God. Remember Dagon and all that stuff, right? Take it to one city and everybody dies. You know, take it to another city everybody dies. Take it to a third city everybody dies. Well, we better get rid of this, this ark thing, this representation of God. So, Goliath says to the Israelite soldiers are you not the servants of Saul? Now, that's pretty revealing. Now, remember before Saul was selected, God told them that the king would take the best of everything they had, including their children, and make them to be their slaves or servants. Saul has rejected God to the point that even the Philistines know that Saul is acting without God. Right? All I see is a man, and that's why they're so bold in putting Goliath forth. That this is a man without God. We can beat him. But we remember not too long ago what he did with our God, Dagon, and that's not going to work. But now it's obvious that Saul has completely, totally, utterly rejected God. And look at verse 11. So even Saul is filled with dismay and terror at the challenge of Goliath. Now I don't know why the Israelites are allowing the Philistines no. to dictate the terms of their own surrender. You know, if I was general and a nine nine-foot guy, how big is he? Nine foot? Yeah, you know, stood up and said, I challenge you, there's no reason for all of us to be killed here. Let's just. Send, send your best and, and, and I'm their best I'm going to look at that and say no let's go <laughs> and, yeah, and so a thousand soldiers will go up and kill Goliath real quick and then we take the rest of them I don't know, you know why you know, Saul, Saul seems paralyzed by this you know, he's, he's terrorized by it he doesn't know what to do that seems like a fair solution to me <laughs> now there's an interesting play on words in, in verses 25 and 26 the, the soldiers describe Goliath in a certain way, but look how David describes Goliath. The, the Israelites simply call Goliath a man, but David calls him this uncircumcised Philistine. <laughs> and then again in verse 25, the Israelites say that Goliath, quote, comes out to defy Israel. All right? You're defying us, humans but verse 26 David says that Goliath quote defies the armies of the living God right so the soldiers are not see the, the leadership is not about God so by definition if they're not led to do it the soldiers have denied God as well but here's David now he sees it as it is that this, is, this guy is you know, not one of us he is not blessed by God And he now is actually coming not so much against us, but against God himself. It's about time somebody stood up to this guy for God. Now, do we have any Goliaths around us today that stand up and say, yeah, just just you and me. I'll take you on. And I guarantee you, I will beat you. You know, don't, don't we have a lot of that in our society today? There's just there's just so much, so many groups and individuals that that feel so emboldened to speak against Christ and His Church these days. It's so commonplace. And. I can only conclude the only reason that has continued to happen is because there hasn't been enough of us standing up against that, like David, willing to stand up and say, we we have the armor of God. Remember? Yeah. You know, Try to put Saul's armor on? He said he didn't want to, but it's a funny picture when you imagine it. You know, I mean, you know, Saul was you know six foot something, and you know, David's you know, this little five-foot guy, and his stuff was just hanging on him, he couldn't even walk, he couldn't do anything with it. So you know, I'm taking this off. It's ridiculous. But we today we are in in very much a a David and Goliath type of situation. The church is David. Good. Yes. We need to stand up against that. And so now there's There's a good Christian way to do that and a not so good Christian way to do that. Yeah, both ways you're right. But you see, the goal is not to we really don't want to kill the enemy. Oh, let me ask, do we? <laughs> I mean, so that's not the goal. The goal is to literally win them over for Christ, you see. So the way we we counter these taunts says more about us than it does the other person, you see. Now, you can go charging in there with your bullhorn and say, you know, you're going to hell unless you believe the same way I do. That's probably not going to work. Never has, never will. <coughs> Uh, did work with the Muslims back in the Crusades. Um, it just it just doesn't work. So we know that doesn't work. We need to find a better way. That I believe that way would start with the person taunting is ask some more questions rather than jump right in and try and fix that person. Have them say some more. I don't quite understand what you're saying. Can can you can you explain that a little little bit more? Right. I've discovered that people, when they when they speak something untrue, you you can see it. It it just they said, "Well, that's not right." <laughs> they actually talk themselves out of it. It it you know, hearing it from their own mouth, they believe it in their mind. But until it comes out of their mouth, said, like, "Boy, that that sounds terrible. That's not right," and that might give you an open door to say something. Now you're not going to win every battle, but you have to be willing to get the slingshot out and start. Winging that baby around to get, get getting ready to 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 take the shot. So that yeah, hit him in the shoulder, or something. knock him to the ground, but don't 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 kill him in the name of Jesus. You're, you're you're trying to get their attention, but like I say, you know, an effective way to do that is just you know get the person talking, because believe me, their their impression of us is that we are a bunch of goody two shoes, egomaniac, maniacal, um, holier than thou type people that's what they, they they believe about us. So they're ready for us. So if you start as soon as your mouth opens, if that other person determines it's too early, they they will literally jump down your throat. You you won't get anywhere and therefore you you will not you will not be an effective witness for Christ. I know it takes longer and it really is painful, but knowing that Christ loves this other person, we are now called upon to do what we can that is best to rectify this this situation. (coughs) So the troops see a terrifying and seemingly invincible warrior. But all David sees is an uncircumcised Philistine who worships false gods. That's all he sees. I can deal with that. right? So you don't let the terror cloud your vision. Remember what John says, perfect love drives out all fear. So if you have this this great love for for Jesus, that will help you to get past the fear. Verse 37. David gives the credit to God. The Lord who delivered me. Do do you see the heart after God here? Even so young. Verse 45 best verse ever. I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel. Right? He's identifying himself. This is what I am all about. Saul is saying, I know I can't beat this guy man to man, therefore I will cower in a corner. David says, I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. Now, the the word Almighty... Is a pretty good definition of God. How much might do you have if you were almighty? Nothing you like. You see? That's the beauty of the word. You have all of it. So if God has all of it, how much does Goliath have? Right? See, David knows that. (coughs) He's the only one who knows it, but David knows that. verse 47, the battle is the Lord's. If you come to the 11 o'clock service we we do a song with that, that title. It's a pretty cool song. So this is not a battle of human armies with swords and spears. God does not save them by sword or spear, but instead with a mere boy armed only with a slingshot and a couple of smooth stones. Do you remember Jesus telling us that we must become like a child enter the kingdom of heaven he actually puts a child in front of the adults and says you have to become like this and here we have a little child leading them it says in the Old Testament a child will lead you we have to become like that and look at that and say that guy's not so great I know God is way greater I'm putting my trust in God See, the whole issue at the end of this chapter, which portrays Saul like he never met David before. This is kind of confusing, isn't it? Because the last chapter, or two chapters ago, you know, he's bringing him into the, the, to the palace and everything else and you know, won't even let him leave to go, go to his father anymore. You, know, you stay here with me, keep playing that liar, and keep soothing me. All right? But at the end of chapter 16, you, you see where that's, that's happening. It says that Saul really liked David and now at the end of 17 who is that for the first time. <laughs> make any sense. well it it doesn't until you really get into the the mind of Saul so after these weeks of trauma now obviously it doesn't take much to put Saul over the edge right he's, he's dealing with some demons here So it doesn't take much to trigger that. So the stress of, uh, this went on for several weeks. Every morning, Goliath would come out and make that same challenge. Week after week of that, obviously, has taken its toll on Saul so that his mind is so scrambled, he he can't see the victory that God has won. He doesn't recognize David. He's really in a psychotic episode here. And that's what happens. I mean, you literally don't recognize people. Now, that's the psychological aspect. But the core issue is that Saul has refused to repent and come back to God. So any resource he had to get away from the psychoses, he continues to reject. He refuses to come back to God. So seeing God work so incredibly against all odds through this shepherd boy would be something that Saul could not even comprehend. Here I am, taller than everybody else in the nation of Israel, the strong warrior, and this little kid beat him. <laughs> that does not compute, Will Robinson. Right? It just doesn't. So he, he just he doesn't know what to do with it, and so his his response is, "Who is that?" He do, He literally does not recognize David. Now, chapter 17 is a great, great story, but those are the, the highlights that I wanted to lift up. What else would you like to say about chapter 17? Go ahead, David.
1: I like uh, David's trust and faith in God. 1746, he says... Uh...
0: Oh, <coughs> yeah, he's, he's... Wait a minute. This day the Lord will hand you over to me. <laughs> right? So, yeah. Yeah, and that's that something? So, I mean, he's...
1: faith and trust in the Lord, he had no worries at all that he going
0: to take on the life and win. And has no problem throwing the taunt back. Yeah, that's it. It's, it's you know, be, before a big, big boxing match or, you know, whatever that, you know, they, they start...
1: He was totally assured that he was going to win. Yep.
0: I'm going to strike you down and I'm cutting off your head buddy <laughs> which was the ultimate sign of defeat yep yep absolutely incredible what does you think about chapter 17
1: I guess I have a, a kind of a question um, a couple of chapters ago David was secretly anointed mm-hmm. as king how, how do you think that kind of played into David's um, attitude, I guess, coming into mm-hmm. the king's house and into the situation?
0: I'm sure it helped. Uh, we're soon to discover when you're, you're that psychotic, it doesn't help. <laughs> it's a, there's some things you just can't can't fight, and uh, he has to literally run away. But yes, I'm, I'm sure the, the consecration gave him the Intestinal fortitude to well, God has blessed me. I need to, somebody has to stand up. Obviously, no one else is. Do you catch what what, what the brothers are saying? Yeah, go home. Yeah, I mean, this is for big boys, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Just, no. So he just, but he's bold enough even with his brothers to say, you know, forget you. Yep, I'm doing this and uh you know, he, he seems very very focused yep good point other chapter 17 thoughts
1: the fact that god chose david before any of this happened i think really speaks to how well god really knows us yeah the inside what's truly in our hearts he really mm. knew david
0: that, that's what God said from the beginning it, I, I will pick a man after my own heart yeah so he yeah God already knew that David's a guy let's do this thing yep anything else in 17?
1: <coughs> God knew David's destiny before yes David ever knew everything
0: but see there's the faith right yeah, the faith. not knowing <coughs> But we know God does. Therefore, I will trust God. And my little round stones. And notice he only had to use one. Yeah. I, mean, I always
1: thought that was amazing.
0: How, how many stones did he take total with him? Three, five? Five. Three. five? Three. Yep. Five.
1: Oh. Get
0: it, five.
1: Five. Yeah,
0: five. Five sounded from her. Yeah. Yeah. So, but only used one of them. So yeah, that, but it's smart enough to go into battle with a backup plan, right? <laughs> you know, I can, I, I can duck and weave for a little bit and re- reload and see if I can get another shot in. But uh, you know, when this this <laughs> nine foot guy comes after me, I mean, and, uh, do, you, do you have that image in your mind? A nine foot guy against a kid? No, I have my ducking and weaving
1: in my mind. Right now. <laughs> 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 the ceiling, basically, right?
0: what's But that's hey,
1: stand up, the ceiling up Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> 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 Yeah, so it, it's it's not, not a battle against Brian. It's a battle against, you know, not a baby, but a child. Yeah. So.
1: But that's, that's the example he wants to show us. Yeah. We don't have a fear. You know, I think we always make our enemies so much bigger. Uh-huh. We give them so much more credit than we yeah. should. And he's telling us we don't need to worry about our enemies if we're taking him along with us. Yep. You know and he always tells you you just have to step forward trust in me and step forward and I'll take care of the rest right mm-hmm. and that's all David did he just said okay yeah. you know I'll be obedient and God did the rest
0: that's what I was trying to say earlier with the the Goliath we face today yeah. in our culture is that you know we know we have the truth of God in us mm-hmm. and we, we cannot be ashamed of that
1: or fear them
0: right, right. yeah God's yeah. and for teaching us an uh, example I mean it almost makes me think of Gideon how he says you yeah. have too many men. You know, he's always trying to show us that I mean it's the least the least he can take the least and make the most, yep. pretty much is kind of the impression I get with that. So. But yeah, time after time after time. So it's not an isolated event he only did once in all of history. It's right. it, it is a consistent theme.
1: Right.
0: He can he can take the, the least of us and do do great things with. Yeah.
1: He always takes the least. He yeah. never takes the best. No. Never.
0: No. But you see they're always going for the best looking, the strongest, the whatever, and yeah. uh, just doesn't, doesn't work. Anything else in 17?
1: He gave examples of, you know, the bear and the lion. And yeah. Still didn't give him any credit when the <coughs> the lion probably would be able to kill a nine-foot guy no problem. Yes. Because he's weighted down by a couple hundred pounds of metal. Mind yep. of the mind guy? He, realistically,
0: he can't move very much. Yep. He had to have somebody carry his shield for it, so.
1: And he was fighting lions and bears, but they still had no. They didn't even they didn't register in the bomb.
0: All of all of all of
1: all of Uh, we're,
0: we're going to send you the lollipop guild <laughs> do that little touchy dance <laughs> the, the, the Elaine dance from, uh, from, uh, uh, from Seinfeld <laughs> that's I think where she got that
1: <laughs>
0: truly one of the funniest scenes in cinematic history oh my gosh anything else in chapter 17? <coughs> the jam kids happen to
1: have this story in January just saying. Is, oh, wow. oh, wow. This is really trip to trigger for anybody.
0: Some in other words always. Welcoming yeah. anyone yeah. who and wants I to come and to to sit in on a session.
1: That... It was a fun lesson. Yeah,
0: yeah. What, what time would that jam program be, be occurring on a Sunday morning? At
1: 11 o'clock.
0: At 11 o'clock is it? Mm-hmm. Hmm. So you so could you go to the new year. You could go to a right? nine 930 worship and then yeah, you could them. You that's could. Great. That's amazing how. Or even ate and
1: then go have breakfast.
0: It, it's wow. utterly amazing how pe- people actually put some thought into this and made those kind of things possible. Yeah. Wow.
1: That's
0: crazy. Oh. <laughs> amazing. <coughs> I've <coughs> so.
1: I've been waiting for weeks for that.
0: Yes. So, right up the top, top of the steps here on that bulletin board, that's the jam bulletin board, and they always put up there what's what they're yeah. studying now and what's coming next. So keep an eye on that, and you'll be able to keep track of that. And yeah, you would be greatly blessed to just stop in and be a little fly on the wall and watch these kids or volunteer to be a shepherd or something. do stop we and be
1: have- a fly on <laughs> the wall. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's
0: some weird and Yeah, we'll pick you off the wall.
1: <laughs> 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 right, Brian? <That's> right, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All <laughs> these kids start screaming.
1: Wouldn't he be a great storyteller? You can fall really that, but, well. <laughs> it, was, it was
0: Cubby, Jan. down.
1: Year,
0: year, year, years ago at VBS, Cubby, Cubby was, what character that he talked to a real low and scared and the kids the have? Guard like, with, the, with the guard. The
1: guard.
0: The Roman guard. guard for
1: for a oh, Yes. Yes. Oh, that, we had the kids, the youngest
0: kids were crying. Yeah. <laughs> it was far too realistic for them. Seriously. <laughs> he
1: was such a voice.
0: He was such a good actor.
1: And Josh did that too. And was yes, that yeah, that's right. The little ones had to be talked
0: down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like a cut off there. When kids Kids can't quite, quite get into that. Yeah, that's... <laughs>
1: And some <coughs> armor for you, Brad. See, so yeah. we can yeah. make some cardboard. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Sli- so there you go. This lake is up there so yeah. I would volunteer to help to see you. Yeah. Let's <laughs> <That's, I just laughs> get some rock knock you down. No, out. So, like, like,
0: like some, some Nerf, Nerf rocks or something. Uh, <laughs> we have yeah, a
1: big rock. Yeah. To yeah. To Marshmallows <laughs> actually work really well. Marshmallows? Yes. Like we have a big rock. You can throw it. <laughs> yeah, one, uh,
0: yeah. 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 good, go and practice that, Brian
1: All
0: right <laughs> 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 you ready for chapter eighteen? Watch how fast we buzz through this so chapter eighteen again, just a continuation of of the story, but it goes into a lot of detail about. Saul becoming increasingly jealous of David. That's really what this whole chapter is about. Jealousy, jealousy, jealousy. And jealousy to the point that Saul now tries numerous attempts to kill David. So over these next couple chapters, we're going to see this jealousy completely consume Saul. Now, again, you're going to see evidence that it's that evil spirit. He's going to be noted again. So the evil spirit is driving him to kill David. Does that sound like that's God's plan? God's trying to elevate David. So God wants that evil spirit to have David killed. Right? So it's, it's the complete opposite. Three times in this chapter it says that God is on the side of David. And so everything Saul tries to do ends up backfiring. Now, what, what Saul is doing... Is reminiscent of Wiley e. Coyote,
1: <laughs>
0: super genius, right? Devising all these great plans to, to, to capture the, the roadrunner and every time it blows up in his face, that's exactly what happens here. Yeah, acting. Yeah. <laughs> so, for instance, in this chapter, Saul, Saul tries to get David to marry his older daughter Miriam, believing that she will act as a spy for Saul. Or for yeah for Saul so uh, pretty ingenious plan so my daughter she would not yeah, withhold information from me so I can put her in there and uh, that'll be great but by marrying by David marrying uh, Merib that would also make David commander in the army that then with no problem Saul could put him on the front line much like David will do with Uriah Bathsheba's husband, right? And make him, yeah, I mean, the general or whatever usually is off on a hillside somewhere and making, you know, calling the shots from there, but he can make him go into battle in the front, the front line. That's what he thought. So it was kind of a, a double, double evil at that point was his plan. So believe it or not, we're going to come back to Mirab again, but not until the end of Second Samuel and you won't believe what we find at the end of 2 Samuel with this this daughter of Saul so David declines to marry her and instead agrees to marry Saul's other daughter Michael this pleases Saul because he thought okay not the first one I still have a spy in his house and I can still put him on on the front line so Saul now is trying to manipulate a way to destroy David but instead Saul is shocked to discover that Michael really loves David (laughs) And likely will not betray him. Is that Michael or Michelle? Michael, without the e. Yeah, yeah. He Hebrew was all hard guttural sounds. (laughs) That's everything. uh, What's what's uh, Arnold says? uh, uh, It's it's a phlegm based language. (laughs) (laughs) Adam, that was Adam said that, right? (laughs) Adam Arnold. It was that made me laugh. So Michael really does love David. She would never betray him. And so you can just see Saul, yeah, curses, foiled again, right? Ah, I had this great plan and it didn't work. But you see, that's what jealousy does. If jealousy is is what drives you and consumes you, that's what's going to happen himself up for his own fall again, for his Yep. Own, his own but in any case, he doesn't even see it. See, that's, that's, that's the beauty of it. You know, God's working in another direction. So, the big question of the day. Is jealousy a virtue or a sin? Okay? Substantiate your answer. Jealousy is a form of hate. Why is that? Is it envy? Similar? Similar. But... And envy is I want something you have.
1: Yeah,
0: Jealousy good. is I want to be you. yeah, I want to be you. Well,
1: it's one of the Ten Commandments covenant.
0: Yes, mean, I I I want, want what jealous. you want. Yeah. Right. Even God is jealous. I'm a jealous God. When when we pick other idols, uh-huh. right?
1: When we sin. What's that? I said when we sin.
0: Right. So that brings. God's jealousy out in a more positive way because God knows that's wrong for us to go that direction. So I want you, I want you back. So obviously it is a sin because this is the end product. But you stop and think of you know, all, all the bad that, that, that jealousy does. In fact, there's four, four really powerful jealousy New Testament passages. In the list of people not going to heaven, four times jealousy makes the list. Makes it just about as much as murder does. Because you see, the, 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 Jay's right. You know, Jealousy leads to hatred. Right? And when I hate you, I kill you. Right? So... <laughs> He's falling more and more into jealousy. It's it just it's circling now, and it's just it's just drawing him in, drawing him down, and it's it just there's there's no way out at this point. Not only is jealousy linked to sin, but jealousy also is the means by which a jealous person, because it leads to hatred, it leads to anger, it leads to all those other negative sins that then you don't get to go to heaven. Now, jealousy doesn't seem that bad, but you, you, you see the result of that with the you know, teenage you know, boyfriend-girlfriend. Yeah, when they break up or whatever. I mean, look at all the, all the bad that comes out of that. I mean, some people go really off the deep end. Um, I mean, really far. Suicide. Yes. <clears throat> so what we see unfold here before us is that since Saul has abandoned God... God has abandoned Saul. God's not going to force his way in. If you don't want me, I'm not going to force my way in. But since God is not that spiritual need that we all have within us, is not being filled by God, is it any wonder to us then that an evil spirit fills that void? And that is what seems to be driving him literally to insanity by the way we haven't bottomed out yet with Saul by any stretch of the imagination it is going to spiral down a lot more so the beginning of of insanity is this jealousy it moves quickly from jealousy to a murderous and irrational fear and yes that's why jealousy is so bad so it's not like a little jealousy I can handle a little jealousy 0.01% 0.01% jealousy. Have you not seen the progression? We didn't start off murderous. We just started off a little jealous. He's doing things that I can't do. And then, all the all the girls in town singing that song, that, that didn't help. <laughs> you know, yeah. David has killed tens of thousands and he didn't really kill Goliath. I mean, for, I mean, that's kind of not true anyway. But, you know, David has killed tens of thousands and Saul has killed thousands. But I think it's the other way around. But the perception is, at least among the girls of town, you know, they're lifting up David and making Saul even more jealous. But that won't happen if you and I are grounded in the Lord. If we have the armor of God on us and are using it, then that's not going to get in. We are, we are protected from the evil spirit. We, you know, that's not going to get to us. We're not going to throw God out and then welcome an evil spirit in. So the chapter begins with Saul's son, Jonathan, making a vow of loyalty to David. Now, that's interesting because he's making a vow of loyalty to David, not his own father, the king. So that's pretty telling right off the bat. The relationship between Jonathan and David is described as one in the spirit. And he loved him as himself. All right? So you see, this is, this is love. And it's not, yeah. This kind of love, this kind of devotion does not necessarily have to be between a, a man and a woman. You know, any of us can decide, I will be devoted to you and I will, I will do whatever I can to, to protect you, to, to help you to do, you know, all this. Then it moves that we discover that one of Saul's daughters is in love with David, Michael. So now two out of three of Saul's kids are in love with David. <laughs> right? So you can see how this is, might lead you to a little bit of jealousy. Right, if you allow it to be. So now, so basically, the kids, Saul's kids, are more loyal to David than they are to their own father. That's got to be somewhat infuriating. Saul comes up with a clever plan of making a dowry for Michael and David. That that David will will need to present to Saul one hundred Philistine foreskins. You can boo that too. But David returns with 200 oh. in your face, Saul, right? So again, you know, just, 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 just just turning that knife right right at his back. You know, it just <coughs> you know, David was just trying to impress him, but of course Saul takes that badly. But see, he's trying to throw him in to,, you know, so this isn't something you, you do with, you know, a whole army you got to go in there by yourself and get, get 100 Philistine foreskins. And hair foiled again. Saul's plan backfired. In fact, David was able to double <coughs> what the original request was. It's absolutely incredible. Because God is leading David. And with God, there's always a multiplication of blessing. And there you go. There's 18. That's all I want to say about it. What would you like to say about it? <coughs> Any references to Romans chapter one that you want to, to make 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 the connection?
1: No, but your uh, your, your wily e. coyote comment uh, <laughs> caught something here that I, I was just thinking that you know, Saul thought I'll let David marry one of my daughters so I can do all this other stuff. But then the thought just dawned on me that hey. If Saul and Jonathan happen to die, that just sets David up to be in the line for the ah. kingship. I mean, he basically said, yeah. "If something happens to us, here's
0: welcome, welcome if into my needs, family." Yeah,
1: I, I've yeah. I've just set him up to be king. Okay.
0: Third, third in line. Yeah, third, third in line to yep. the to the throne. Yep, good point. Yep, but he's so angry and jealous that he doesn't even doesn't even see that. Yeah, so. Uh, Gets a little crazy. Anything else in chapter 18? Let's try a little 19. Verse 1. Saul outright tells Jonathan and all his attendants to just kill David. (laughs) See see how it's... I mean, it's not even, you know, a a crafty plan anymore. It's just get guys with swords together, kill him. Right? Uh, It just unbelievable so of course David and Jonathan have a very close relationship so Jonathan warns David remember he's already established his loyalty to David not to his father verses 2 to 5 Jonathan convinces his father that David has only good for a good intention for him and why would you want him killed he's not doing anything against you dad in other words you're crazy How, how can you come to that conclusion and then verse 6, Saul agrees and vows that he will not kill David. Now, again, the, the unrecognizing David from that previous battle with, with Goliath, right? Who is that? Watch how fast he forgets his, his own vow. Now, do you remember how important vows are in this day? Remember the Benjamites? And the rest of the nation says we, we, will, not, we will not give any of our daughters to them. They held on to that vow. They killed them, but they held on to that vow. When they changed their mind, we really want to give our daughters to these guys. And so they said, now go kidnap them. (laughs) Remember that? So when they make a vow, they really mean it. Saul, in that mindset he's in, it just gets lost. It just absolutely gets lost. Verse 9, there's the evil spirit again. Even though Saul vowed he would not kill David, Saul again grabs his spear and throws it at David with the intention of, I will pin him to the wall. Verse 12. I thought this a little odd. Why would David allow an idol in his house? I just thought that was odd. <laughs> Man of God, you, know, you don't allow idols, but... Michael I had one good thing because it turned out to be a pretty, pretty clever ruse at that point. Verse 17, David obviously knows that he could kill Saul but instead chooses to run away than to be forced to kill Saul. <coughs> now, Does that not speak of David's integrity? Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, knowing what he could do I choose not to do it. That's kind of the basic principle of the, uh, the martial arts. We will teach you how to kill a person 47 different ways (laughs) with just your hand. But you have to be disciplined enough to never use that unless absolutely, positively, there is no other choice. Pretty cool. So David, nope, not fighting. So Saul vowed, broke the promise, Another promise, broke that promise, David's smart to realizing that this guy's word means nothing. I'm out of dodge. So in the the way the story unfolds, that Michael lies to her father twice, and the text seems to justify these lies. Kind of makes it sound like Michael did good. So That seems like a good discussion point for us today, doesn't it? Is it ever appropriate to lie as a Christian? Is
1: she a Christian, number one? Lying deceived. We
0: don't know about about her. Um, I suspect growing up with Saul, I doubt it, but nonetheless married to David, you think she would pick up a little bit. But the text supports her lying. Says so this is a good thing. So I, I just want us to be thinking about: Are there examples you can think of in which a Christian lying or untrue telling?
1: A white lie. Yeah.
0: Maybe something a, a a a form of deception, perhaps, you know, leaving out information or you know any of those or any of those. Legitimate for the Christian. No. If the outcome is no. No. to the good, I would say yeah. too. Okay. Huh. I would say that that's a that's a given. Yes, so your what dress oh, good. Because so, <laughs> you know what the, what the the other outcome would be. <laughs> so so yes,
1: dear, you look so pretty in there.
0: <laughs> so so are we saying the ends justify the means? No. That might be a little far, huh?
1: See, if the outcome is is Christian, what Christ? does the Lord
0: She told her father that he was sick in bed. Was was one of them, and the second one was. Uh... Yes.
1: Yes. Yeah. Thank you.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: The people said, "No, we
0: don't have weapons." Okay, or even another wartime example would be if you are an American soldier and you are let's just go to World War II. It'd be a good good example. You're 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 caught by, by the Germans, and they are trying to get information out of you that you know about what your army is going to be doing next. And that if you give that information, thousands of your comrades will die. Would that not seem to be a time that? I mean, to, to think that Christians always have to tell the truth—that we're just, you know, yeah. we're, we're 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 just we're just hepped up on sodium pentothal all the time. That right. <laughs> 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 no, that dress looks terrible. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> the Jews. Corey Tenboom. Another good example, he right? Corey, Cor- Cor- you know Boom. Cor- you know the, the hiding place, no, you know. Right. Now, interesting. Corey's sister. What was her name? Um, I have it here. Some word. What was her name? Anyway, her sister believed that. Now, these are Jews. Her sister believes strongly that if I am ever asked by the Gestapo or anybody, I will tell the truth. Because I believe that if I tell the truth, God will reward my truth and protect the innocent. Yeah. No, <laughs> but the, that's not that's yeah, kind kind of a stretch there, right? But you can you can see see. That's why they
1: asked Corey and not the sister, honestly.
0: Yes, yeah, right. Honestly. Yeah, yeah. That was a good but day. but but they knew that the sister, and they just kind of so it, it really did kind of split the Ten Boom family quite a bit. Uh, there was a lot of animosity there, um, but yeah, Corey Corey was was really persistent in in that. So well, she
1: was protecting her husband from death.
0: Yeah.
1: How could she not have
0: lied, right? right. You say so I think the the qualifier would be that if telling the truth promotes evil you should not do that, right? Right. 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 So if telling a lie reduces evil that might be, yeah, yeah. Dress looks nice. <laughs> that's a little more gray area there, but you know, if your but voice
1: you, you, yeah, yeah, like, you don't but, know the evil that can come. From. Well, that's what I'm saying.
0: <laughs> evil will 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 be for you. No, know, no, no, two ways about it. So the, and especially in a life and death situation, you know, we should think very, very hard. About, I, I think you guys are saying, you know, the the greater good, the the bigger picture, the, you know, so because to tell the truth and get a bunch of people killed, knowingly, means that I'm so smart, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna tell the truth. It really doesn't mean you trust God more. It just means that you want everybody to know you're you're a right fighter. But the the truth is incredibly important. Now, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. But in our country today, there is no commonly accepted standard of truth. There just isn't. And if there's no commonly accepted standard of truth, then every individual gets to make up their own version of the truth. In some significant ways, we have Bill Clinton to thank for that. The whole Monica Lewinsky thing. Right? They asked him, did you have sex with that woman? I did not have sexual relations with that woman. He redefined uh-huh. that sexual act. You see? Depends what it is. And so that that has become critical because today, about 20, years later, you would be hard-pressed to find a middle school girl that does not believe that that is sex they, they middle school girls today believe that act and kissing are on the same level they're holding hands right so when you allow somebody to tell you something that isn't true especially somebody of high position and everybody says oh ok I never thought of it that way before and then you believe that and promote that now a generation later this is what, what we got So in our cultures we face a real dilemma. Try to maintain the truth but always consider the greater good. The situation with both Jonathan and Michael they're both lying now but they're doing it to save the life of David so in those cases at least it is acceptable to lie or deceive even their own father so that's a whole nother twist on this thing but their father desired to kill David and they knew that was wrong so I guess when you're forced to make a choice between two forms of evil pick the lesser what's worse a lie or death <laughs> or murder right lying would be less you see how it works And the world does force us into those situations, not every day, but there are occasions when that happens. And we have to be wise enough to be able to see what is happening in front of us. And there's probably a good place to stop. On the topic of telling lies. plus.